them. I was like, let me print these out. Printed them. Good student. I had to be prepared. I had to be prepared. It's about to get personal. How did you get personal. It? Personal. Just got personal. Gary and I just got personal. It's personal. My name is Derek Bourne. My name is Cornelius Minor. My name is Val Brown. This personal. is Nick Stone. Hi, I'm Donalyn Miller. My name is Dr. Kim Parker, and I'm here on It's Personal. <laughs> All right, welcome back, everyone, to another episode of It's Personal. Today, I have Dr. Kim Parker. I am so excited to talk to her today. We only have 15 to 20 minutes, so we're going to really just, like, hop right into it. Dr. Kim, can you just, like, share a little bit about yourself for those out there who haven't heard about you before, who may have just seen you online, maybe a little bit about where you're from, um, what you're up to. Sure. Hey, Gary. It's so great to be here. So great to be here. Um, real, let's see. Um, I'm currently um, the assistant director of teacher training at um, the Shady Hill School in Cambridge, Mass, which is a pre-K to eight independent school. We essentially run an in-house um, graduate teaching program. Before that, I taught for about 16 years in public schools, high school teacher, and um, mostly in urban context with a little sabbatical in the suburbs. <laughs> that is so uh, fun. Right? Just a sabbatical. <laughs> and that's what I do. Um, literacy, literacy, literacy. Um, doing lots of work around creating environments for black kids and brown kids. Um, kids who aren't necessarily given lots of credit for all of their talents and gifts and thinking about how do we create environments where they can thrive. Wow. Wow. And I'm just going to put it out there. Like I've been following Kim for a little while now and me and my wife absolutely adore everything about you and what you ladies are doing online just for like education in general my notifications are on for you so <laughs> when you post anything on twitter it is coming to my phone every single time <laughs> oh my goodness gary it's mutual like you have to know it's mutual it's not and also when we sort of exist in the social media land i don't think we do enough about um actually making contact with people mm -hmm. and I so agree. that's really powerful to be able to thank you thank no you. thank you honestly <laughs> thank you thank you what you guys are doing is just absolutely phenomenal and it is helping so many people out there just like start to understand some of the issues and the beauty in like the work that other people are doing um mm -hmm. i truly truly appreciate it i really really do yeah, yeah. Really happy do. to do it yeah. Can you share a little bit about like you and how how did Dr. Kim come about? Like how does that happen? <laughs> personal, 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 personal. Oh my goodness, right? I ask myself that every day. Um, I grew up on I was raised by my grandparents, so I grew up um, on a farm in Kentucky and I read a lot and I always read. And I also um, had a grandfather and uncles who were literate, right, in really powerful ways. They were reading for whatever they needed to do, for work on the farm, for trade skills, for whatever, right? And they just sort of, we were broadly defined by our interests and what we wanted to do. So 
um, that sort of background and grounding of um, seeing black men read and also always being able to read what I wanted whenever I wanted um, has been the foundation for everything. So has been the foundation for everything. Has been the foundation. Has been the foundation for everything. Being black men, being black men read and read. But when I started teaching, I tried to work um, really diligently and intentionally about building classroom environments and libraries for kids um, with books they wanted to read. Though I will tell you, when I first started <laughs> teaching, I would just be like, "Oh, this book looks good," and I would have something like the red tent or like those books that like what kid wants to read those but I like for when I first started teaching all books were were great mm -hmm. um and I have since come to realize that that's not true um and also kids want to see themselves and that was one of the things that when I was reading um growing up in Kentucky I didn't you know I was reading like lots of books with characters that did not look like me and but we had those books at home and I but I wasn't really interested because when I would go to the library what would I see I would see like Sweet Valley High and books about everything else and so those were what I that's what I really started to read and grew up reading and only really once I got to college and spent a semester at Howard mm -hmm. um, as a junior year sort of wow. one of those ex domestic exchange programs wow. that I was like what <laughs> what is this where have I been let me think about all of my internalized racism about what I thought was great literature um and that all sort of turned on its head and then um I just started reading differently and sort of the whole world opened up to me differently and so that's that that I want to open up for kids and I've been really really um sort of adamant that kids need that um, and that's what I've been doing it's just been going into spaces um <laughs> opening my mouth um, personal 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 speaking 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 about equity and about um white supremacy and about how that impacts kids speaking about equity and about um white supremacy and about how that impacts kids making people really uncomfortable it's cool um <laughs> I mean, people get mad, they stay mad, but you know, like we're not serving kids in ways that they need because, you know, you know, racism, racism. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's how I got here. And that's that the work awesome. I did. That is awesome. So, that's how I got here. And that's the work I did. That is awesome. That's how I got here. And that's the work I did. That is awesome. That's how I got here. And that's the work I did. That so you went awesome. Howard. I always hear about Howard. I've never been to Howard. How, like, mm -hmm. can you explain what that looks like because it sounds <laughs> amazing. Like it honestly, like everything I hear about it, um, and the ideas and the concepts and the people, it just sounds like it's such a like powerful institution. Like, can you explain to me why you decided to go to Howard and maybe what did that look like? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Well, I should, yeah, exactly. that's the question. Um, I went to Colby College, which is a tiny, predominantly white institution in Maine. In Maine, so I'm coming Maine. from Kentucky. Yeah, Maine, hello. Coming from Kentucky. Wow. Going to Maine, right, which we were, I'm pretty sure there were maybe like 10 black kids in my class at Colby. Maybe 12, I don't know. But you know, <laughs> like 10 people who identified as black. There might've been more, but they were not trying to be down with black kids. Um, and so I spent two years there and then, um, I was managing the basketball team. I worked in athletics. And so I didn't want to go far 
um, but I wanted to go somewhere. And so that's when, when I found out that we had this um, existing exchange program with Howard. And it was incredible because I went from like all white Colby to all black DC and it's DC before gentrification really as it is now. So like all the areas that now people can't get enough of were areas when I was there, like around U Street and things and Shaw where people, if, unless you had reason to be in that area or you live there, you weren't necessarily going. Um, and then to have professors that were all black. Sheesh, that was personal. All, all the time. Um, and we're talking about black, and we're talking about black stuff, black stuff. And we're talking about black excellence and you could study in the library and, you know, sort of. So that's what going to Howard was like. That is so, that's amazing. That sounds amazing. Cause like, I think about my schooling and I've talked about this a few times before on the podcast, just like, being in Nova Scotia, where I'm from, and Maine comes to mind because Nova Scotia and Maine are like right on top of it's each other. Same thing, right, yeah. Um, mm -hmm. My schooling was basically that. Like I had my black community, which is like, and I said it a number of times through the podcast as well, like the largest black community in Canada. But then there's this like very small group of us like sectioned off in each different little high school. And then all of my teachers are white. Um, yeah. And I think, yeah all the way through university um through high school middle school elementary I might have had I think three or four of them that looked like me a little bit um so I can only imagine that feeling going to a school where every teacher and then at the same time to like take it over the top is that they're actually talking about stuff that like connects with you that you can relate right. to. like that is right. like the the game changer for all people to to kind of have those conversations can we talk a little bit about like that main experience like what was it like <laughs> I'm, I'm curious of like what was it like to be like the the, the black kid basically right? right right yeah I mean so this it's interesting because when I came to Colby I was very much, um, I think still, as I'd said, like a lots of internalized white supremacy. Mm -hmm. And so I just wanted to be white adjacent. And so I wanted to be in spaces where I was not necessarily recognized for um, being wonderfully black, but I was recognized for being articulate and writing well and all of these things. And I had to like, compromise so many parts of my identity just to be in those you know just to be at the school because no one was really talking about intersectionality and race and racism in ways that we were talking about it now and also we didn't have a critical mass of black folks i mean we we had like a black group um, a student organization and we carried each other right we lifted each other up and held each other um but like to navigate those spaces i think you just, I just would go along, right? Lots of parties, lots of, you know, like wealth. That's what I think I was also not fully prepared for was the amount of white wealth and about how careless that could make people and that I didn't have that, right? Like we were working class, if that. Um, and Colby, like that's what I do. Um, I'm so grateful for Colby because essentially, right? Like I, I graduated in owed Colby like $5,000 and I taught so essentially and that was all forgiven um but I never would have had the opportunity to really go and to experience what has been sure. a fantastic education um but it came at a cost 
-hmm. And I think that it came at a cost for many of us that we are just still um, grappling with, honestly. Wow. Wow. It's so interesting to listen to these stories because like, and like I'm this kid from Nova Scotia, Canada in this very small province. And I literally had like the same experience. Like Mm -hmm. I remember buying clothes to look like the white kid to blend in. I remember going to the park. I remember literally listening to, I don't even know the songs like country music, whatever (laughs) it is, like just so I can go to these parties and like sing the song or like know who it is. Um, It was awful and reflecting on all of that, like it just makes me think and makes me want to do more of this work now to help some of those kids who are in my classrooms, who are in my communities, because that's an awful feeling. Um, It is. And I think that when you're going through it, you don't, don't that was my, that was my normal, right? My normal was that everyone was listening to country music or everyone had a CB jacket. It was a CB jacket back in the day that like Mm -hmm. everyone had those markers of wealth or like whiteness. And Mm -hmm. I just wanted that. And we never, again, like I've been working since I was 14 years old because that's what we had to do. Mm -hmm. But so like, if I were to have one of those things, it would have come at, like, I would have had to work for it Mm -hmm. um, instead of like someone just giving it to me. And I just, it was interesting about all of the ways that I knew how to be in those spaces, right? I'm very comfortable being in those spaces, but it's because, you know, and I think Baldwin was the one who said that black folks are always studying white folks. It's because, you know, and I think Baldwin was the one who said that black folks are always studying white folks, right? We're very good at that. Uh Um, But, you know, like there was never any reciprocity. No one was really interested in learning about my experience as a black woman um, one of very few black women in a college in Maine. No one, no one, unless we were like reading about it, you know, everyone read their one or two Morrison books, right? Mm-hmm. And we had a black professor, wow. Cedric Price, who was teaching about Morrison and probably every English major took that class at some point in time. But outside of that, not really, not really. But um, yeah, they knew, I, we knew them, right? I think people of color know what it's like really to be, to have to sort of, compromise ourselves to be comfortable or to even live and like not pack around all that stuff um and we've been doing it really forever mm-hmm. wow wow and it, it's again i think it's phenomenal that it's the, the power of reflection and i've and i've just kind of i wouldn't say just but like I've, i'm starting to understand the more i reflect on not just like what's happening now but mm-hmm. my past i'm able to feel more comfortable about who i am and those experiences um, and just seeing how they were learning experiences and how they kind of created who I am today because without those experiences, I would not be able to to navigate or articulate um, who I am right now. But I, I truly believe that reflection can be so powerful once you kind of really dive in. Um, right, right. And then you, I also have found that I have to forgive myself for a lot. Of course. Because of like course. the things I went along with, for example, my high school prom date um, was a white boy. We were great friends. We went together, but his parents were like super racist. And so he told his parents that he was going with a white girl. Oh. And we 
we took two, he took two different sets of pictures, right? So we took sets of pictures together and then he took sets of pictures with his white date um, that he showed his parents. And so I think that I've been like, oh, that's just what Sean had to do. But you know, there's like the other part and I I could rewrite that story a thousand ways, Um, but that's what happened. And I think those are those moments that you just have to say, yep, that happened. And that was awful. Mm-hmm. And that made me who I am today. And, you know, like, I can't, I all like, I think black folks have tremendous baggage. Um, if we let it, I mean, then what, like, again, like Morrison really great here, right? Mm-hmm. To fly, you got to let, you got to get rid of all of that stuff that's mm-hmm. holding us down. And so, mm-hmm. yep, it happened. And it makes a really great story when I'm talking to young people. I'm like, well, let me just tell you what happened to my prom. Uh, right? Like y'all worried about dresses, but I'm like, I'm gonna go you one better. Um, So I always win with those stories, which is great. Um, But you know, like I wouldn't be able to be here now talking to you if I had not sort of lived all of that stuff. And that's just who I am, right? It's all part of who I am. Uh Kim, that sounds like a really good like YA novel, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) Gary, I do not have time to write it. You can write it. Can it be written in tweets? I feel like we could just like write a bunch of tweets and be like, this is our book. This is it. Oh my God. Yes. Like maybe that's what we need to do. All of us need to write about our experiences. And that's what's going on with the 31 days of indigenous and black people of color. Like this is, it's like therapy every day. It's phenomenal. And that is one of, that was going to be like one of my last questions for you. Just like how powerful has that been, that experience? And um, what are some of the takeaways you're getting from like the feedback from other people, um, the individuals that are involved with the writing? Um, it's funny because me and my wife have been reading them and she's been, all, she's been way more on top of it than I have. And she's yeah. consistently messaging. She's like, you need to read this. You need to read this. You need to read this. And it's like, she's sending quotes. And um, I'm just like every time I read them like phenomenal writers but also very very different um yeah tell me some feedback some of the things that you've been learning from just this experience altogether. I love working with Trisha um Abardia because Trisha is sort of the ideal collaborator because I can get sort of I've much more about ideas lots of times I'll be like Trisha what if we did <laughs> Da, 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 da. And Trisha's like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. okay, so we're ne- we need to do X, Y, Z, right? Uh-huh. Really uh-huh. that. So together, um, it can, it's sort of an ideal partnership because, uh, I mean, if left to my own devices, I would just be like, well, you need that. We, everyone that. needs someone else. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, Trisha is the one where, like, she's great because she moves back and forth um, pretty fluidly, and then I try to do that, but I know where my weaknesses are, right? Uh-huh. Uh, and we took that there was a quiz floating around I'm a definite maker <laughs> and I think it's like visionary or something like the the all so together we can make beautiful music there you go and so there's this <laughs> I know that there are these months that um people have writing challenges right you just write all the time and um it's like 30 days or something and I think we had participated in those in the past and I always noticed that there were very few people of color I wasn't the only one making that um that realization but you know like and then always whenever there are very few people of color in spaces people are always like where are you all why are you writing what's going on 
And you know, right? Like we've always been here. It's just like, that I just, I'm so annoyed by that. Like, why aren't you participating? Well, I feel like you can't always, that's a cop out to always say like, why aren't people doing what they need to do? Yeah. And so, you know, again, I said, dude, we should create a space, Trisha. Together, we, we came up with this idea. And from there, we just sort of said, all right, like, let's, let's just ask some people. And then people said, yes, right? We said, okay, we'll pick May. Because May, because right? <laughs> it was sort of in the middle of the year, um, and then we just lined up people. Trisha made the amazing graphics, right? So that's another one of her gifts and talents. And we just launched it. Thirty-one days, Indigenous Black people of color um, writing. It's phenomenal. Not a challenge, but a blog circle. And so um, we just ask people, and we put it out there, and the reception has been incredible. Mm -hmm. right it's just so ariel johnson started it off right and then we were like oh my god gauntlet thrown right like <laughs> if we're starting off like this it was bro. just flames <laughs> right i said we're coming out the gate like this and it's the first day of may i can't wait i can't wait for every single day and every single day it's just like i just it's like people have we've all they've always had this in them and we've just created a space like that's what i think it's we enjoy doing is finding crazy. space yeah and every single um entry has been can be its own it's its own standalone piece and then when you sort of read them all together which sometimes i will do on the weekends just realize how powerful these voices are and also too what i'm hearing from some of lots of the um, the feedback on Twitter is how similar the experiences are. So people yeah. will be reading and will say, oh my goodness, I don't know you, but this sounds exactly like something, my lived experience or mm -hmm. yeah, like, yeah, so many parts of this are resonating with me. And mm -hmm. I think that that's what's been really powerful is that um, we are so, there's so many similarities and people mm -hmm. are all over the place, right? Mm -hmm. Like all over the world really writing mm -hmm. that we just bring them all together in these really powerful ways. And also it's building solidarity. And it's, um, as I said this morning, I was like, this really is my self care. So every morning I get up and I read them. If I'm not, if, like if, cause we, we host a couple on our own blogs, but everyone else has their own stuff. Um, and I just read and it like gets to be ready for the day. Mm -hmm. Like this morning I was reading one about um, Sherry's, um, playlist uh -huh, right for uh -huh. her life and I was like oh oh my god yes <laughs> yes 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 cosign yes let me really and she had a play and she like I went to the YouTube channel was listening to music like the gap band or whoever else was on there and it's just amazing it's amazing that like one we also say why did it take like the two of us so to long. come up with this yeah. when like people are being paid lots of money like in these publishing houses mm -hmm. <laughs> It's true. <laughs> Why? I don't understand. Like you just, it seems like people were just waiting to be asked, right? Uh -huh. We just looked around, who, who do we know, who would be great, um, and just made the request. And so if we are doing it to educators, right? Like we don't, again, we, that's what we do. Mm -hmm. then what are we missing out on? And these are just 31 people. Like we could easily have done it 365 days. Someone, someone said like, why can't you do this 365 days? Because we could. Mm -hmm. And so um, 
those are sort of the lessons that we are that are reaffirmed for us. One, creating space is absolutely essential. Um, introducing people that we have loved and have known and whose work we have respected to a broader audience um, is really powerful. Um, and then three, thinking about how can people use this as PD, which is also what we're hearing. People saying, I'm sending this to my department. Um, I'm reading this over the summer. I'm thinking about how does this reflect um, or how does this um, impact the work I'm doing and other spaces. Um, so it has so many, I think we haven't even um, really gotten into the impact of the work other than sort of the immediate um, what we're seeing right now. But I think it's powerful. And again, like we didn't do anything other than have like a couple of texts back and forth being like, what if we could do this? <laughs> And then, oh my goodness, let's do it. And then, you know, here comes Trisha, X, Y, Z, and then we're doing Amazing. it, right? Amazing. And so you need these spaces and I think anyone could do it really. Like it just happened to be that Trisha and I are like sort of in on a bunch of things because she's she's up for it. And I'm usually up for it. Um, and that's what happens. But again, if we can do it, then anyone can do it. Anyone and so do. the question then becomes, why aren't you doing it? Yeah, wow. I, I think it's everything that you said and it's allowing people to feel more comfortable with their stories, seeing that other people have already gone through those experiences as well. It is so amazing to watch. If you were to do it all year round, mm -hmm. I would sign up for that. <laughs> right? Yes, I, right? I'm like, Gary, what are you love, doing? I would love to just like, know that every day I'm going to get this like real piece of writing from someone that is like really dissected a part of their life or a moment or an experience that is like so real to them. Like when you listen to the writing, you get goosebumps. Absolutely. You can hear and feel every single word and sentence that this person is trying to articulate. It's just, you guys are doing phenomenal work. Kim, thank you so much. Actually, sorry, Dr. Kim Parker. <laughs> thank you. My whole name. Thank you, Gary. Thank you. <laughs> thank you so much for joining me today. Where can people find you? Um, I am on Twitter at tch Kim Possible. Um, that's usually where I am. Um, and the hashtag disrupt text and. Hashtag 31 days IBPOC. Awesome. Awesome.